interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. This is All Eyes on Cleveland. I am your host, Brad Ward. Mikey is on the ones and twos as usual behind the virtual glass. It is 7 p.m. Eastern Time, October 14th, the year 2021, week six of your NFL season. Just about to kick off here tonight, and we have a very special guest to join us uh, tonight and uh, talk about Browns football as they go into a monster week where they will face the sole undefeated team left in the NFL, the uh, Cardinals. Uh, and we would like to welcome to the show the man next to me, Josh Edwards, who covers the NFL for CBS Sports, fellow Ohio U graduate and Xavier graduate. Welcome to the show, Josh. How are we doing tonight? Doing pretty well. It's uh, good to be with a fellow Bobcat talking some Browns football. So uh, I'm getting ready for the Thursday night game here and, uh, you know, looking forward to, to talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Got my uh, DraftKings lineups in. I'm ready to go for tonight and uh, getting ready for this weekend here. But much to discuss on the Browns front. Uh, brutal loss last weekend. Uh, you know, found found a found a way to kind of lose that one. Um, and, you know, Chargers, Justin Herbert is pretty freaking good. Let's, uh, let's bring up a little visual here. This is tonight's show. Uh, Mikey's going to get that up here for us. There we go. There it is. Brown's Learning from Growing Pains, featuring Josh Edwards of CBS Sports, uh, presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Let's uh, kick off and start uh, talking about Baker Mayfield a little bit, okay? So I want to start with uh, a couple quotes here. Uh, this is uh, post-Stefanski press conference. Scott Petrak uh, posts, you know, here on Twitter. Um, on OBJ only getting three targets, Kevin Stefanski says he's a dynamic football player, very front of the mind when we're game planning, when we're calling plays, sometimes defense dictates that the ball goes elsewhere, and we're comfortable with that because we have good players elsewhere. You know, this, uh, I, I went back, right, and I, as I'm sure many of you have, and watched, uh, this game again, and watched it from the, the coaches film, and, looking for kind of when Baker's getting to his drop and he was patting the ball a lot. Uh, you know, he, when he would get to his drop, he was very hesitant on what looked like shot plays on on Sunday. Um, played a good game. He was accurate. You know, bounced back. You know, I think on 122 quarterback rankings. So you can't fault him there. I feel like, though, week in and week out, and, and he had a couple rough weeks in a row there, but even this week, Josh, I feel like he's missing or not taking the same chances down the field that he maybe was at the end of last year. I don't know if that's a confidence thing. We talked a lot about about last week. Uh, my brother had the same injury. We had some people on to talk about it. It's not really the pain, but it's the harness is really restrictive. So when you go to, you know, really throw it down the field, maybe that's it, you know, because that's kind of the start of that that leverage or that torque that you need to throw the ball down the field. Maybe that's why he's not throwing it. But, 
he I can think of four instances or point to them where Odell was open down the field and he didn't give him a chance. Now I don't I don't know why this is happening. The whole thing is very strange with Odell. Just give me your overarching thoughts on, on overarching thoughts on Baker this season through five weeks and kind of what am I crazy? What, you know, what, tell me I'm crazy. I would love to hear that I'm crazy on this, Josh. Well, I think it's kind of a mixed bag. We've seen the good against um, the Chiefs. We we saw the good against the Chargers for ninety percent of that football game, um, and then those last two drives were very questionable you know whether it was the play calling whether it was the concern with the offensive tackle injuries whatever it may be there was obviously something that was prohibiting Cleveland from pushing the ball down the field and really trying to get in position to score there at the end of that game so something is at play here now Odell is still a is, is still a player that uh, commands respect around the league I mean teams are rolling coverage in his direction but like you said there's a few instances where he's wide open um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's a guy that probably has deserved to get the ball more than he's gotten to this point of the year. And, you know, for whatever reason, he just it just hasn't been possible yet. So, um, you know, talking about the the arm injury that he suffered against the Texans, whether it's pain, whether it's discomfort, there's obviously something that's that's bothering him there because he's a player that uses his entire body to get into his throws and to attack downfield. So, when you have some of that limitation in your arm and some of your movement, um, you know, the harness, as you mentioned, it's going to provide a little bit of discomfort yeah. and certainly going to be in the back of his mind when he's making throws. Now, maybe this is a situation where, you know, if he continues practicing with it, he grows more comfortable with it. And we're not talking about it in two weeks. Um, you know, like Rip Hamilton in the playoffs several years ago when he had the uh, the see through the see through face mask, the mask right. in the playoffs. You know, that's something that you just have to get used to when you go through your life not dealing with something, and then suddenly there's a little bit of um, discomfort or something that's um, you know uh, something that's inhibiting you. It's going to take some time to uh, to develop and to get through that. And I think we possibly have seen that from Baker over the past couple of weeks, you know, whether he's going to admit that or not. I think there's certainly something at play with him. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, here's a another quote today, just to kind of reiterate that point a little bit more here. Uh, but this is, you know, speaks to what we're talking about here. John Costco, Devontae Adams, and Odell Beckham Jr. are getting open on about 72% of their routes five plus yards downfield this year i mean that right there three targets minimal targets other weeks um not not getting the ball but he's open right uh so why is he not getting the ball i guess is the ultimate question it's a very good question i'm not sure anybody really <laughs> has an answer for it at this point in time it's such a strange thing that's occurring between those two because you've obviously got a really talented wide receiver He's not causing issues on the sideline. He's not making this about himself. He hasn't gone to the media and complained about a lack of targets. Like none of that is happening where we've seen that in previous years. Like he seems perfectly content with his role right now. Um, and Baker, by all accounts, does not seem to be forcing the ball to him. So this is something that is seem seemingly happening organically, um, but it's not happening at the rate that maybe fans or even 
um, the coaches would like for it to at this point. I think eventually they have to get on the same page. Like those two guys are so talented that eventually they are going to get on the same page, but it hasn't materialized to this point. And now you look at the schedule. Um, you have two very close losses to a couple of teams that are conceivably going to be in your path to the Super Bowl, whether it's the Chargers, whether it's the Chiefs. And now you have the undefeated Cardinals coming into town as well. Like you've got to get some victories against those teams that are considered to be at, at the top of their divisions, at the top of their conferences. Um, and Baker, for whatever reason, has has just not been able to lead those game-winning drives the way that some of his peers have to this point in the season. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and it, Josh, I think it limits what the ceiling of what the Browns can be, right? I mean, like what they can actually – their ceiling as a football team is very much – limited unless this gets unlocked right or do you get or do you lean towards there are many out there that are ready to give up on the situation and and move move them in a trade scenario i think it's a very way approach um you know browns fans you kind of have to consider the context of browns fans and that's that even third 20 you know two decades of, of pretty poor football specifically at the quarterback position so the moment that you get something that resembles competency, you kind of latch on to that. You know, it's Baker is the guy that wanted to be in Cleveland. He's the guy that endeared himself to the fans and the community. Um, and I understand the fans wanting to ride with him, but you have to consider where Andrew Barry is at this point, because he's a guy that has spent the last two off seasons doing whatever it takes to improve this roster. So I'm not saying that he's going to move on from Baker. I think it's still very much fencing right now in terms of you move on, you keep him. But if you don't think that he's going to explore the possibility of getting a better option at the quarterback position, and maybe that's not available because, you know, I cover the draft as well, and there's there's just not a Trevor Lawrence in this draft class. So it's not like you're going to flip him for a couple of first-round picks and go get your Trevor Lawrence or whoever your, your quarterback of choice is. Like, that's not – feasible this year um so then you're talking about the veterans whether it's russell wilson whether it's aaron Rodgers, um do you want them at their advanced stages of their career or if things clear up with deshaun watson do you make a play there like there are so many question marks with the quarterback market that i don't necessarily think that you can say cleveland has to move on from him even if you determine that um you potentially have some better options out there because honestly i just i don't think the type of quarterback is going to be available that, you know, might entice Andrew Barry to potentially move on from him. I think we might go into another season where we're trying to determine if this is the guy that Cleveland's going to move forward with, with for the better part of a decade. Yeah. So uh, I was more referring towards Odell, I guess. So uh, moving on from Odell, uh, I guess I really haven't even Josh, to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm in no way in a hurry to get rid of Baker Mayfield. I just don't think I, – I think he will work out. I think uh, – I can't take credit for this quote. I think uh, Ken Carmen or to Anthony Lima said it. They're, they're definitely engaged, right, the Browns and, and Baker Mayfield, but they're not quite – they haven't set a date yet, right? They're not making plans for the wedding yet. I, I feel that way about it. I feel like they are definitely in it together. I don't want to see the Browns go in a different direction. I think that – He'll get it figured out. The question is the contract this offseason. So, like, you know, it's week five. So 
things could go in a number of directions as we move forward. How do you say he ends the season like this, like like a C performance this season? How do you handle his contract situation in the offseason? Well, at that point, if you explore the options that are available to you via trade or through the draft um, and you determine that you don't have a better option out there, then I think the best way to move forward is to go through a franchise tag, maybe maybe one year for sure, maybe two years, um, and just try to keep you know kicking the can down the road and see what you've got in them. Because to this point, you can't confidently say that Baker has played to a level where he commands $40 million a year. Um, again, I don't want it to come across as, you know, Baker is a bad quarterback or I think that they should move on from him. I don't think that's the case. Uh, but I don't think that you've seen everything that you need to see to necessarily believe that it's time to give him that five-year, you know, $40 million a year type contract that puts him up in the upper echelons with, uh, Dak Prescott or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or uh, Lamar Jackson coming soon. Like, I, I don't think you're at that point uh, right now. So you just kind of have to continue kicking the can down the road and just hope that there's a breakthrough and some consistency that you've that you've kind of urged for. Yeah. You know, I, I think if he could get back to the level he was playing at, at the end of last year and sustain that for a period of time this season and make another run into the playoffs, I would I think that he would earn that. Because, like, people are saying, oh, you can sign him, but just sign him to 30 or 35. That ship sailed, I think. Uh, it's either going to be he's your franchise quarterback and it's $40 million or more. But at least $40 million, Dak Prescott money, and he's your franchise quarterback, and you're going to sign him to that deal because he proved it this year, or you're going to franchise tag him or kick the can down the road. I don't I don't think you lower the price and take say, oh, he was not good enough to earn 40 but we'll sign him to 33 I think that's no man's land, and I don't think the Browns want to end up there. Do you agree with that? Well, it's a non-starter if you're an agent. First of all, yeah, agents absolutely. don't believe in taking a lower number, you know, even if they don't believe that he's playing at a Dak Prescott caliber, you know, caliber, you're not going to lower your demands. That's just not yeah. how the quarterback market has worked historically. So you're either all in or you're allowing him to test free agency or you're franchise tagging him. That's exactly what we saw with Dak Prescott. And I think if you're kind of middling with Baker Mayfield, that's probably what's going to happen in that scenario as well. Certainly, circumstances around him so far, Josh, haven't been, you know, it hasn't been what we wanted so far. It hasn't been terrible. Um, I think, I personally feel like he'll prove it by the end of the year. I do. Um, I, and and I, I still have that belief in him. Do you, are you leaning that way? Do you think he will prove it? Do you think he bounces back and shows that he's the guy this year? Are you uh, more in limbo on this than you've ever been? I'm still in limbo, um, to be quite honest. You know, we've seen the very good of Baker Mayfield. And, um, you know, when the game is, when you're playing the first three quarters, like he's been fantastic this year. My only concern with him is those end of game scenarios um, you know, because when you look at what happened with Patrick Mahomes, when you look at what's happened with Lamar Jackson, when you look at what's happened with Justin Herbert, like those guys have gone out and led their teams to victory. And we just haven't seen outside of the Cincinnati game last year. We really haven't seen those type of performances. 
uh, from Baker to this point. Now, I will say the context is important to what we saw this past Sunday because, like I said, the offensive tackles um, were very dinged up and both out at, at various points in that game. Um, you know, so that has to be taken in, taken into account. But I think to that second to last drive where they were facing a third and nine and they handed it off to Kareem Hunt instead of, you know, trying to get that first down through the air and uh, they were holding on to a one point lead at that particular point in time. So, you know, if you get that first down, there's a very good chance that you're able to run the clock out at that point. Um, whereas they decided to run the ball with Kareem, Kareem, maybe you were hoping to catch them off guard, but that's not the way it plays out. You know, I think the way we've seen Los Angeles or Kansas City, like they're putting the ball in the hands of their quarterbacks in those particular situations and trusting them to make a play. Um, again, did the offensive tackles come into that equation? I don't know. But then you go to the final series, um, and there's just no excuse for throwing three three plays into the field of play um, and, and only getting 11 yards out of it. You get one first down out of three passing plays. It takes a minute off the clock. Suddenly you've got 27 seconds left or something like that, and you have no shot other than a couple of Hail Marys to potentially win that game. So um, I don't know the circumstances. Maybe there's more at play than just the offensive tackles, but – yeah. Those plays either have to be to the boundary or you're better off dropping them at that point in time because a two or a three yard gain is getting you nothing at that point in time. No, nah, I'm with you there, brother, 100%. I, I, the end of that game was frustrating, and we're gonna. that's uh, one of the topics we want to hit on tonight, and we'll move to that now. Uh, you're watching uh, All Eyes on Cleveland, special guest Josh Edwards. Uh, he covers the NFL for CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at EdwardsCBS. So, yeah, you know, they get the ball with three minutes, and it's like, you know, Stefanski's so aggressive all game long, and, he, and you know, he made the comment that he's sick about that play call, right? You know, that, I mean, he realized he screwed it up. You know, you throw it on second down, you got to throw it on third down. You probably should have thrown it on first down, to be honest. I mean, I you know, I get, I get what they're doing, but when you're in that aggressive mode, you can't just switch to conservative because the guy missed the extra point. It has to be, all right, in all the scenarios we ever talk about as a team with this offensive line and this offense – we always talk about there's three minutes on the clock, two minutes on the clock. We have to get one or two first downs to end the game. That's the ideal situation. That's what you want as this Browns offense, I would think. And he kind of, uh, he got, he got kind of choked a little bit, for lack of a better word. You know, and Stefanski is still the man. He's still a great coach. He's still the the best, you know, for guy for this job in Cleveland, and I love him. But he choked in this situation. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's a sign that he doesn't trust Baker. Whether he trusts Baker or not, you still have to attempt to get the first down on third down. That's how I feel, Josh. Do you think it is a trust thing? I, it can't be if he threw it on second down, right? I mean. I don't know. I think it's certainly possible. Um, I think it's certainly possible. I, I, Baker, through the rest of that game, had actually looked – fairly decent pushing the ball downfield. I mean, he had the one down the right side to Anthony Schwartz that uh, I think Schwartz was just a little too caught up in hand fighting as opposed to just running his route and making the play because, you know, he he had a step on the guy and he just, um, you know, was more concerned with creating even more separation, which he really didn't need. Like, it's, it's the NFL, that stuff 
you kind of take one step and you go on. Um, so I, I think Baker is more than capable of doing it. He was putting passes into tight windows all game long. It's not like, you know, this was a situation where uh, against the Bears or, you know, yeah. the Vikings where his accuracy had, had been a little bit off throughout the course of the game. This was a game where he was making the type of throws that we had come to expect from him in those first two weeks. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, he just didn't have an opportunity to, to throw on third down. Now, I will say maybe the pressure was getting to Stefanski a little bit too because you get to these end game situations and they haven't come through in those situations to this point. That's kind of the one hurdle he has, he has left to clear. So maybe he's getting in his own head a little bit at that point in time, you know, you rely on your ground game. You kind of think that maybe they're going to be the ones to carry you. But uh, in that instance, I think you have to let Baker throw and try to get you the first down. Uh, with that being said, I have no doubt that Kevin Stefanski is the right coach for the Cleveland Browns. I think he's one of the five best coaches in the NFL right now. Um, he's done a fantastic job. And I think for the first time in a long time, Cleveland can be excited about not only the present, but the future. I, we're talking about competitive football games here against, you know, some of the other teams Elite in the teams. AFC. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah. it's not like the old days where, you know, you're talking about squeaking out a win against the Lions or the Bengals or whoever it might be. Like these are legitimate teams that Cleveland is contending with. Now you have to take that next step and get over that, uh, clear that hurdle. Yeah. Uh, the good thing is they have a chance to go beat an elite team on Sunday against the Cardinals undefeated, and uh, we'll talk more about that here in a minute. Uh, I do want to hit on the defense here with you uh, real quickly. So John Johnson wore the, um, the green dot for the first time on Sunday. Uh, there was some brutal uh, defensive breakdowns on Sunday as uh, Mike Williams running uh, butt naked on two, <laughs> two uh, missed coverages. You know, they were in quarters both times. I think uh, they also credited um, Ronnie, Ronnie Harrison with uh, uh, missing on the Parham touchdown, too, was not where he was supposed to be as far as coverage. That was also basically a blown coverage. Uh, let's bring this up here. This is... Uh, uh, Kevin Stefanski said uh, John Johnson, the third calling the defense on Sunday for the first time this season, did not contribute to any of the communication issues that led to blown coverages. And they were blown coverages. So, you know, as far as that goes, is that just a matter of these guys in your eyes? Because um, the defense had looked great for two weeks in a row. They took a big step back last week, obviously against an elite quarterback, different level of competition, all those things come into play. But I still thought the front four played rather well at times. Uh, you know, even Tack McKinley coming in for Clowney played really well, I thought. Uh, so, and even the guys in the secondary. So, like, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, oh, this was a depth problem. The Browns were in their depth. But really, A.J. Green stepped up. I thought he played pretty well. And, you know, uh, certainly Greedy Williams played a terrific game. Uh, 10 tackles, a couple pass breakups. They did a good job. You know, the guys that, that did not play well, unfortunately, you know, fan favorite here at this show, Troy Hill did not have a very good game. He gave up, I think, uh, five catches on six targets to him. Uh, you know, uh, we already mentioned Harrison was brutal. I think his PFF score was like in the 20s or 30s. So, I mean... And, and you talk about miscommunications, and that's what it was on the two breakdowns with Mike Williams. 
how do you fix this? Is it just a problem of young guys new to this defense that will somehow sort itself out, just came at the wrong time for you? I think it was a combination of things. I think it was the fact that um, Brandon Staley is very good at what he does and scheming guys open. You know, a lot of those uh, deep crossers, Mike Williams, you know, was was getting in behind guys and communication was just not happening uh, the way that it needs to happen, whether that's on John Johnson or, or you know, those new guys that were in the secondary that uh, were stepping in for someone else. Like those guys, yeah, they had their moments in man coverage where they were good. And Greedy has been fantastic the past couple of weeks. Um, but when those communication mistakes happen, like you can be good for the 90% of the game, but if you have those blown coverages and you're giving up touchdowns, like that's the difference in the game. Um, and that's what's, that's what played out this, this past Sunday. So I think it's a combination uh, of issues. I think Troy Hill, you know, you can see his leadership on the field. There was a moment uh, early in the season where Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, he had outside leverage, um, you know, with Troy Hill, and he decided that he was going to try to get around a block to the outside and make the tackle. Instead, the guy cut back inside, or it might have been reversed. He might have been going inside with Troy Hill, and the guy went outside to pick up the first down. And Troy Hill was like, "Hey, I'm here. Like, yeah. you need to be playing. You need to be playing the boundary. Get on the other side." And that same situation played out later in the game, and Owusu Koromoa did not make that same mistake. So, you see the leadership that he brings to the field. Um, his play just hasn't been what we are accustomed to seeing from him over the past couple of years. Uh, so I think there's a lot of contributing factors to this. I think it's John Johnson still feeling his way around the the scheme or getting to know his teammates and Troy Hill still adjusting and all those injuries that they had in the secondary. Um, you know, and the fact that you're just playing a really good team that knows how to take advantage of any miscommunication that you have. Uh, so it's a combination of things. I think it is something that they should have no problem getting sorted out over the course of a week of practice. Yeah, I, I think so too. It was more the safeties than anything, you know. So in the first one, you know, it's just they're in quarters and, and then they're in their three deep. And so much of that, it's that Seattle scheme. So it's a lot of matchup stuff where guys from one zone to another have to be able to pass guys off. And, right. and even the, the play design on the la on the second one where Mike Williams went deep was really good. And it almost reminded you of like the, the – it wasn't the same play, but it's a very similar concept to the Super Bowl a couple years ago with the 22-Jet Wasp where the, the safety comes up, you know, to cover a, a, uh, a guy on a crosser or a shorter route thinking that, you know, he can vacate his deep – third or deep fourth in the quarters and 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 the guy goes right behind him and you know john johnson turned his hips one way and the whole left side of the field was wide open you know so it's uh something that delpit on that one who jumped up and took that we'll have to learn from but uh there's no i mean they got to learn it quick i mean they you know they cannot give up those kind of plays in any game against any team or else they'll be in trouble against a bad team one of these times uh, if they keep that up but uh, inexcusable pretty much the, the communication stuff new to the, the scheme and everything but first time it really shined through uh in this game and herbert's not one that's gonna miss out there for sure um let's talk about this game you're watching all eyes on cleveland big game against the cardinals four o'clock game love this it's gonna rain on saturday it's gonna be 60 degrees it's one of those games that it's gonna start in the daytime it's gonna be nighttime by the end it's finally like fall football have a real fall feel in cleveland cardinals are coming in undefeated it's a great matchup 
Uh, Kyler Murray, is, I guess, shoulder issues is the word. Let's see. I got a couple things here. A couple things going on on the injury stuff here. We'll take a quick look. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury says Rodney Hudson won't play. Uh, Chandler Jones has symptoms after testing positive for COVID-19. Might be out this week. I believe he has to test positive or uh, negative twice before Sunday to play. And then now, you know, look at this. This injury list is ridiculous, right? Look at this. It's Browns the movie and, credits at the end of a movie. He's got the scrolling credits. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's a, it's a, you know, it's an epidemic in uh, in uh, the NFL right now, these injuries. but uh, And you see down here Kyler Murray, right shoulder limited uh, both Wednesday and Thursday as well on their side. As far as the Browns go, it doesn't sound like – I think I heard today Wills will not play on Sunday. Is that right? Um, so I would expect to see uh, more of uh, – What's his More name? Blake Hans out there. Blake Hans. More Blake Hans out there. Who who did a pretty good job last week? Um, well, I think Cleveland did a good job of uh, similar to what Los Angeles did with Rashawn Slater. But you know, when you have a guy that you're a little bit scared of, the way that Cleveland might have been with Joey Bosa, or that Los Angeles was with Miles Garrett, you know, you certainly have some help on the corner trying to chip those guys and, uh, you know, at least muddy it up a little bit so they're not getting free rushes to the quarterback. How do you slow down Kyler Murray? What's the what's the approach here? Well, I think you have to be very disciplined because, um, you know, you rush, but you can't get too deep in your rushes because the minute that you do, he's going to step up. He's going to step up and get out and run. Um, honestly, he hasn't ran as much as he has in previous years. Uh, so the shoulder injury is a little bit more of a concern, I think, um, relative to previous years where he would just look to beat you with his legs, depending on the game plan. But I think what Cleveland has to do is um, kind of contain him a little bit. You know, get upfield, but don't get too deep so that he's going to be able to get up and out of the pocket and get those first downs on third down. Because, uh, you know, Browns fans, you can hear you can hear the curse words on thir- third down right now as uh, uh, as uh, Miles Garrett gets too far upfield and Kyler Murray escapes and you know picks up a third and twelve or something ridiculous like that, um, but I think Rodney Hudson being out is a potentially interesting circumstance uh, in this game because he's such a savvy veteran. Uh, he might not be playing at the same level that he's played previously, but this is a guy that has tremendous leadership and he's in charge of the communication up front. Um, and what we've seen from Cleveland with Joe Woods this year is that he's not afraid to put a Jadavian Clowney, you know, as a zero or a one technique and put him over the center, put him in that a gap and attack those guys, maybe have a, t- a tackle and stunt to, you know, test that communication, test that new center that's coming in the game, um, and make sure that they're going to be able to pass guys off correctly, because if they're not, then Miles Garrett's the type of guy that's going to be able to wreck your game plan. I mean, his very first NFL game, you know, he was coming up the A gap against the Jets and just completely blew up the quarterback. And that's been no yeah. different throughout the course of his career. You know, he's continued to do that on, on a weekly basis. So um, Cleveland has been very good about scheming opportunities for their their defensive linemen as much as they have the guys on offense. So I think one thing that you can expect to see from Joe Woods and this team this week is um, some stunts to the A-gap and uh, really challenging that communication up front for uh, the Cardinals in the absence of Rodney Hudson. 
yeah, definitely, you know, the, the speed rush getting upfield is not really probably what they're going to want to do this week. You know, what Garrett is specializes at, you know, they're going to have to use, uh, try to try to hem uh, Murray back in there. His running past him is, it leaves those holes open and is problematic. You know, the interesting part about this is that the 49ers did a pretty darn good job against him last week in a very similar scheme, almost the same scheme, Joe Wood's old uh, position, uh, you know, well, there's probably something to take away from that as far as their approach to slowing down Murray, right? I mean, you would think so. Um, you know, they do a lot of those deep overs. They use Rondale Moore in a variety of ways. Uh, that's going to be, you know, kind of a key for this coming game because they line him up everywhere. They line him up in the backfield. They line him up in the slot. They line him up outside. They'll give it to him on jet sweeps. Like, this is a guy that's going to be put into motion um, and you have to account for him. The communication that we talked about last week against the Chargers, that's got to be on point again this coming week because the look is going to change before the snap because of how they use Rondale Moore, and you have to communicate that and pass that off with as much known as they play. So um, that's going to be put in the question again this week, and you kind of hope throughout the course of the week they work out some of those communication issues. But um, keep Kyler in the pocket. Uh, communicate, and I think Cleveland really has a good opportunity to win this game. I think it should be, you know, I'm not going to say it's easy because it's certainly not. This is a very good team. Uh, Kyler is a very good quarterback and probably deserves more respect than he generally receives. Uh, but I do think it's a little bit of an easier challenge relative to the Chargers, uh, specifically the Chargers. I would typically say the Chiefs, but the Chiefs just haven't looked like what we typically see from the Chiefs this year. So, I think it's yeah. going to be a little bit of an easier test than we saw last week against the Chargers. Um, minus Browns are minus three uh, home favorites. Uh, I guess at a neutral site, that would probably be a pick em. Uh what do, what do you think? You got a prediction for us here, Josh, before we get you out of here? Uh, let's see. Browns minus three. So I will say I think they're going to cover the spread. Um, you know, okay. I don't have a specific score prediction, but I will say I think they're going to cover the spread. I think this is another game where Baker's on point. I think an emphasis in practice is going to be the communication with Odell Beckham Jr. You know, we we saw some of those miscommunications a couple of weeks ago with, with OBJ where uh, Baker maybe thought there were some back shoulder opportunities and instead, you know, he had wide open space in front of him. So I think some of those things are going to be ironed out. Uh, it may not happen this week, but I think that's going to be a point of emphasis. I think the communication on the back end of the secondary is going to be a point of emphasis this week. Uh, and hopefully the biggest caveat in all of this is what happens with the injury report. Uh, it sounds like Arizona is going to be without Rodney Hudson and Chandler Jones. Um, Kyler Murray might be limited, but Cleveland's got their own issues. So I'm curious to see what the severity of those injuries look like over the course of the week. And maybe Greg Newsom is back out there because Greg has done a fantastic job in zone coverage. I mean, he's, he's, he's been a really bright spot this year in this Browns defense does a really good job of communicating pass off stuff like that. So if they're able to get him back on the field, you're, you're not only aiding your depth, but you're getting a really good player back out there as well that knows how to communicate really smart. And I think uh, there's obviously room on the field for that type of player every given week. No question about it. That would be he would be great to get back. It looks like he has been limited in practice both days. Uh, a lot of these guys that 
you know, did not participate. Uh, if you, when you look at like Treader and stuff, or guys that you know are probably going to suit up, but that's almost a weekly thing for Treader at this point. So, hoping to have uh, the majority of these guys available. Of course, we had a little surprise on Sunday with um, uh, Clowney, but uh, I, we'll see if he's available on uh, on Sunday as well. That'll be big. Josh, you've been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, man. We're going to go ahead and get you out of here, but. We appreciate you coming on All Eyes on Cleveland. And uh, tell everybody where they can find your work and check out your stuff. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at EdwardCBS. Um, I also do a lot of draft coverage for CBSSports.com. Um, and then this week specifically, I will be covering the Browns-Cardinals game. So uh, check out CBSSports.com. We'll have a live blog with analysis, live betting odds, fantasy tips, all this kind of stuff leading up to the game, through the game, and then after the game. So We've got you covered on all bases. Fantastic. Check it out uh, and uh, go follow him on Twitter. He is Josh Edwards, and we are uh, very thankful for your time tonight, Josh. Have a good one, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and uh, go Browns. Yes, sir. Big thanks to Josh Edwards of CBS Sports covering the NFL. He writes for the NFL Draft. He is a fellow Ohio Bobcat, went to Ohio University and graduated from there. And Xavier, thanks for him coming on the show tonight. All eyes on Cleveland. I'm Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos. A couple other things I wanted to hit, uh, talk about here. Um, solo with, with you folks out there. Feel free to leave some comments in the comment section as we've got a couple uh you should be these are way too short you should be at least doing at least two hours who should be doing two hours me troy oh it's not over yet buddy i got i got to give myself a little uh, time to talk here tonight buddy but yeah uh, thanks to josh for the interview for sure um let's talk about baker for a minute let's bring up some of this stuff so you know we went back and looked at this stuff uh, pretty extensively. Last week we covered his shoulder injury pretty extensively at All Eyes on Cleveland and uh, talked, uh, you know, my brother played with the uh, injury at receiver in, in college, Ohio Wesleyan, and talked to me at length about it. Uh, you know, it's not painful so much as it is restrictive with the harness, and that's kind of what we were... We were uh, uh, it, Troy, man, you can do no wrong, brother. It's all good. It is all good. We're, we're not ending yet, but it's all good. You can do no wrong. You ask for more All Eyes on Cleveland, you shall you shall get more All Eyes on Cleveland, sir. Troy is a faithful supporter of the show, and we appreciate that big time. But, yeah, let's, so let's talk about Baker and what we saw from him. And what we saw, honestly, when we went back and looked at this is this right here, and I want to bring this up again as I had it up earlier but, uh, you know, this, you know, I, I agree, Baker looked much better last week. There's no question about it. 
And the harness is certainly affecting him. I think there's no question about that either. That you could see the the adjustment in his throwing motion. So from we were started off, me and Jeff last week on the show, comparing his throwing motion from week A to B, which was the, the Vikings week, to, from the Bears week to the Vikings week, or from prior to the injury to the Vikings week, where he was very inaccurate. And you could see... We talked at length about him, you know, coming away from the ball. He uses a lot of his body, even more than some other quarterbacks, but very much. And he's always got that. He's always got the thumb pointed down here, right? And we were seeing a lot of him tucking his arm back with his thumb up into his shoulder. And that basically we figured out. And you, I put pictures of it on Twitter, but that's the harness, right? He can't fully extend, get that same torque or that same motion. Went with the harness on. It seems like they adjusted it somewhat, um, and he looked much better, much more accurate uh, against the Chargers. However, the same issues are arising, and, and I want to preface this with, and I, I should have done it today when I put the tweet out, and I made the mistake of tweeting on this topic because you get such anger from both sides of this issue, right? And... Uh, it'll probably the threat will probably continue till the end of time or until the two of them, Odell and Baker, are not on the same team. But something is wrong here, right? Like there is something wrong. Um, I don't know what is happening, but Odell is open. He is open down the field. There are four instances of it, plain as day on the all 22 footage where he is wide open and a couple of them bakers not even looking in his direction but uh i urge you to go watch chris sims segment from yesterday in his he does a what the fuck happened segment uh on his show and one of them was on the browns and and the chargers and he was talking about baker not seeing odell or not even throwing because you know a couple of the plays were successful plays. One was the Donovan Peoples-Jones, but Baker was open over the top on a corner route. Or, I mean, Odell was o- open over the top on a corner route. The Njoku touchdown honestly could have gone to Odell, w- very similar to the Mike Williams play where he was wide open. Um, and then what, what, you, what you're talking about later on in the game, even in the fourth quarter, in crucial segments in the game where they didn't score on drives, he gets quarters coverage you're getting a soft man-to-man where the guy's off of him by like eight feet I, w- I should have brought the put the tape up here but i don't have it but he had he's off off eight feet and there's no safety help over the middle he literally just runs a post and he's wide open and baker doesn't even look at him he goes left and he never looks at him and i like that's pre-snap identification where dude he's got leverage he's got space there's no help this is Odell Beckham Jr. Holy shit. Holy shit. I should be looking right for this. This is, you know, this is going to be open. This should be six. And he's not going there. I don't get it. Uh, uh, Glenn has, in the comments here, has said the same thing. He saw that with Diggs and Cousins back in, and he said something similar to that. Uh, you think the coach is handcuffing him, Glenn is saying, uh, 
I, I would disagree because I saw we saw him at the end of last year, right? Throwing into tight, tight windows down the field and not missing these kind of things, right? He's missed Donovan Peoples-Jones on numerous times. He's been wide open early in the season. It, Odell has been a steady diet of missing him open down the field. Now, it may be the hardest now. He may not feel that he can even throw it that, that far down the field. Statistically, he is 0 for his last 11 on passes of 20-plus yards or more. That's not great. That's not great, obviously. So something is wrong there because that's not Baker Mayfield. We know Baker Mayfield pushes the ball down the field successfully. He'll throw it into tight windows. He will pretty much plays balls out, right? But you look at, to Glenn's point, maybe it's they're emphasizing turnovers, right? No turnovers in the last three games. Maybe that's the emphasis. Maybe they don't want him to take those chances right now. It's hard to fathom what's going on, but it doesn't make sense with Odell because Odell is open. And to that point, I will bring this up again. He is open. Devontae Adams and Odell Beckham Jr. are getting open on 72% of their routes, five plus yards or more. Um, Troy commenting on the end of the game last week. The reason that we ran into uh, it on third and 10 because it would have been an unpredictable play had it uh, worked even though it didn't work it still probably shocked the Chargers like while they ran yeah you know Troy I get that but I get that idea and I've heard people argue that too like hey you know he would have looked like a genius if it if it would have worked but uh, to be honest that is the point in the game that you play for as an offense you can't be aggressive all game long, go for it on fourth downs, go toe-for-toe toe with the Chargers, and then have a chance to salt the game away with a couple first downs and settle for a run in that situation. Whether you trust Baker or not, and I do, but whether Stefanski does or not, or whether he's worried about the tackle or not, you have to go to a play and attempt to get that first down. Punning to them is game over in that point. Your defense has not stopped them at all the entire game. Your punter can't clear it past the 50-yard line, which is a whole other issue that I didn't even breach on the show. But, you know, the punting situation is putrid right now. Uh, but, I mean, they got the ball at the 50-yard line, of course. All they needed was a field goal. I mean, you give them the ball back there, the game is over. You know that going into third down. Stefanski said he was sick about the play call. We were all sick about it because you needed a, two first downs, really, realistically, to put away that game. You needed to stay aggressive. And he kind of choked on it. And I love Stefanski, and I'll never say that he's not the right guy for the job, and he's a great play caller, but he got tight. He got really tight late, and you can't do that because what you look at and what people are now looking at is you're seeing a pattern. The Ravens last year, the Chiefs in the playoffs, the Chiefs this year, the Chargers this year. Big games, elite teams, they're not finding a way to get it done that don't get me wrong this is a young football team who has to learn how to finish hence the name of the showing tonight 
Rounds look to learn from growing pain. These are the growing pains you have to go through when you bring in a whole new defense on the defensive side of the ball. And you have communication problems like you had last week. I'll still say, I'll still say, and and, and I just want to make this clear, that Odell is open. Let's be clear. He's open, and for whatever reason, he's not getting the ball. And that's weird. It's weird. It would make them better. They need to find a way to get him the ball. This statistic, the film from last week, it needs to be portrayed to Baker. You need to get him the ball when he's open. He's one of our best playmakers. When he and I and I think Stefanski realizes it in his quote this week. He said in one of the quotes, "We need to give our playmakers more chances down the field." Flat out quote. I read between that as saying he he realizes that he had open receivers and they were missed. I don't blame I mean I mean the the Chargers couldn't stop the Browns for the entirety of the game. They could not. They could not stop the run game. Baker was effective in the intermediate short pass game. Uh Njoku was fantastic. Finally unlocked that. Let's hope that that can keep going. But uh as far as like grading out Baker so far this year, he's not playing as well as he was at the end of last year and people that are point to the 122.57 and all this stuff uh, you know, that's a great passer rating, but realistically, he's not playing the same way he was at the end of last year. He's not there yet. And maybe it's the injury. Maybe it's the harness. Maybe it's the coaching. I don't think it's the coaching, to be honest. But he's playing at like a C-plus level right now. And he needs to be better than that. For this offense to be good enough to finish off and win games against teams like the Chargers. Great news is they play the Cardinals this week. And you know what? The Browns don't match up well against as well against the Chargers and Chiefs as they will against the Cardinals. I really feel strongly that what the Browns do defensively is going to show well against the Cardinals this week. Look at what the 49ers did. 49ers virtually run the same scheme that Joe Woods runs. Um, and yeah, Troy, you're absolutely right. That's a great point. Best point right there. It's week five, right? We're not even close to done judging what Baker's body of work will look like this year. And I said it to Josh. I fully believe by the end of this season that he will be worth signing a dotted line on a $40 million contract. He, they will sign him up as a franchise quarterback. I, you heard it here first, whatever. You heard it here second, third, fourth. I fully believe that when he gets right or they figure this thing out or whatever happens, he will be the man going forward. Um, you know, he didn't start off great last year either is another thing. You know, but he hit his groove and he looked fantastic. Uh, Glenn saying he didn't play great last year to start same point I made to make uh and didn't nor did he play uh the play calling till after the Pittsburgh game it's a great point play calling was not as good uh until after the Pittsburgh game play calling has been great so far until the end of the game I have no problem with Stefanski is a genius play caller he has defenses off balance week in week out for the most part you know that Chargers defense is not terrible. They have some good players on that defense. What the Browns did to them 
the way they ran the ball on them and passed the ball on them, they could not stop them, which is why it's so frustrating that he got tight at the end of the game because there's no reason to stop that momentum just because the guy missed an extra point. It, I've made this point multiple times. If he makes the extra point and it's a tie game, they come out gunslinging, running plays to go down and score. They should have come out doing that to go get first two two first downs, then sit on it, then go victory formation, and you get out of there with the win. You have the ball up one. That's the ideal situation you want. Nobody stopped you all day. You should be able to go get two first downs. He got tight. He ran it on third and nine in that situation. Giving them the ball back there is, is game over. Very frustrating. Let's talk about the Cardinals, though. I mean, this is... This, to me, is justification week, right? The Cardinals should have lost twice. The Browns should have won two games. The Cardinals and the Browns in Cleveland at 4 o'clock on a fall afternoon. Like I said, I love games like this. It's going to be dark by the time the game's over. I got the Browns winning this game, and I got them winning by, like, 10. They're going to come out strong. The defense is going to play well. Murray's ding. Chandler Jones might not play. Hudson's out. I expect it, you know, as long as the Browns can field a healthy enough team, and don't get me wrong, like a lot of people have blamed the defense on the depth last week, but it wasn't the depth. It was your starting safeties that were not good last week. The The misplays were Ronnie Harrison and Delpit. Blown coverages with John Johnson back there. John Johnson will get it. He's a great football player. He hasn't showed up like that yet. Troy Hill is a great football player. God damn it. I would pound the table for Troy Hill. We, we love him here. You know? Uh, these guys were brought in to do everything on the defensive side of the ball. And they looked great for two straight weeks against the Bears and the Vikings. And, and they ran into a buzzsaw against Justin Herbert, who is fantastic. And has weapons all around him. But the miscommunications where Mike Williams is just running wide open down the field is just what can't happen. And those miscommunications did not come from the Browns' depth. Greedy Williams played great. A.J. Green played pretty damn good in relief and forced into action. Played pretty damn good. Uh, those plays were on the safeties. You're starting safeties. Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, not in the right place. Poor communication. Poor reads. They'll get it fixed up this week. It won't happen. Glenn, Glenn Hammond's commenting. Um, why haven't we used trick plays? He's setting stuff up, uh, and then he will release the true bank. Yeah, I mean, I think that once again, I go I go back to that. I don't think he's 100%, not because of the pain or anything, but I think the harness is really restrictive, and I think that may affect the, his ability to really get back. I mean, try to go out, out back and try throwing a, a tennis ball, even a football, whatever, as far as you can. It takes this front arm. It does. It takes a lot of that, and it takes the extension and the turn and all of that. And right now, he doesn't have that. This is restricted to him. That's why I think they figured out last week, oh, maybe we can do this, whatever, loosen it a little bit. And he can. He felt comfortable, and he looks great throwing in the intermediate and short and very accurate, right? But 
the downfield pass, the deep ball, the ones where we're going, oh, my God, Odell's wide open. Why isn't he throwing him the ball? Maybe it's the harness. Could be. Problem is, there's a. we're starting now to see more and more data points of them on the field together and it not working. That's that's the problem, right? Let's be real. We thought that more and more data points of them on the field together would lead to, eh, this was just a fluke. It was just they needed time. They needed this. Uh, the, the offense, the whole thing was last year, it wasn't, you know, they wanted to believe, they wanted us to believe this narrative, right? They fed us this in the offseason. It wasn't a disconnect between Baker and Odell. It was just the offense wasn't where it was supposed to be until after Odell got hurt. If Odell would have been there after he got hurt, then he would have been uh, he would have been a beneficiary of the offense just like everybody else was, blooming and looking great through the second half of the season. Well, here we are, and it's more time with o- OBJ and Baker on the field and still no connection. And OBJ's open. I mean, the statistics don't lie. One more time. 72% of his routes, five yards downfield. He's open. Get him the ball. I don't know what... I don't know. But he's a weapon. No Jarvis Landry right now. He's a weapon. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just that the routes are, like I said, just too long and... That he's really trying to protect the ball. He hasn't turned it over. Maybe, maybe it is coaching. Maybe they're saying we don't want you taking any chances. No turnovers with our run game. We can win games. I, I doubt that. I, I think Stefanski would like to get him the ball. I think it's more of Bake probably holding back a little bit because of that harness or whatever it may be. And sometimes his vision, he misses guys. He misses guys sometimes. That's one of his faults, and it has been one of his faults for a couple of years. Not saying he's a bad quarterback. I love Baker. But one of the things he does is he misses guys that are open. We need to give defense time for the communication, says Glenn. Uh, You even said to start the season, uh, week seven or eight would be winner. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, hell, this defense, when they played the way they did against the Bears— And against the Vikings, I was shocked that they were playing that well this early. Uh, Glenn, you're absolutely right. I I did say that. I I don't think that – I think this defense is a top-five defense in the NFL. And they're ranked up there now, but because of the benefit of playing uh, Justin Fields in his first-ever game and the tremendous game they played against the Vikings, because the Vikings have a great offense too. So you cannot give them credit for that game. But what we're finding out is, is in reality, without those breakdowns, I like this defense even more now than I did before the season, Glenn. Because let's think about it. We didn't know. I didn't know what Greedy was. Greedy looks great. I didn't know what A.J. Green was. A.J. Green looks great. I mean, these guys, I mean, this defense should be fantastic in the second half of the season. They should be top-notch in the second half of the season. And Baker should be further we get away from the shoulder injury. Maybe they take the bigger harness down to a smaller one and he gets some more range of motion. And maybe we start to see that deep ball a little bit more. It's very possible. 
and maybe we start to see True Bake pushing the ball into tight windows more. Maybe he's playing a little conservative because of that right now. The problem I have believing that, and I do think that that may be some of it, the problem I have with believing that, though, is that there's just a history of him missing guys from time to time. At his best last year, he still missed guys. But he will push the ball down the field. And I think that um, Baker will, by the end of the season, look like your franchise quarterback. I do believe that. Fully believe that. And I fully believe that this will be a top five defense by the end of the year. This is your justification game against the Cardinals. Cardinals should have lost twice. Browns should have maybe won twice. This evens it all out, right? Browns beat the Cardinals. It's big news. They beat the only undefeated team. Uh, the Cardinals should have lost. This justifies that, gets kind of evens things out both sides. This is your karma game, right? This, this evens things out. This just makes sense to me that the Browns go out and win this game. And I think they look sharp. And I and I think that Stefan, this is the difference between Stefanski and other coaches in the league. As you see all the nonsense going on with Gruden, and I'm not going to breach that topic. And Urban Meyer, I breached that topic on our Monday show way too much. You know, that Stefanski is so focused, single-minded, and good at what he does from getting these guys not too high, not too low. You talk about Dan Campbell crying at the podium, right? Not too high, not too low. The opposite of that, that they can go from a, a tough, really gut-wrenching loss against a good team like the Chargers and turn their focus to the Cardinals, come home, and beat them. And I thoroughly believe that they come home and win. I texted it on, like, Tuesday. I just, I just have a feeling they are going to look really, really sharp in this game. Corrections on defense. Baker looks sharp. Cardinals won't be able to stop this run game. I don't know if anybody can stop this run game in the NFL, to be honest. This run game is an unstoppable force right now. Legit. For real. There's my concerns so far. You know, and you, Glenn, you mentioned trick plays. Wait, where's the reverse to Odell? Where's the, you know, the the throwback play or, or you know, just a couple little wide receiver screens early to get him involved? Let's do that. Let's get him involved in the game early. To his credit, he's blocking his ass off. He's got 70-plus blocking grades. He's bought in. You cannot blame Odell for any of this. He's getting open. He's explosive. He's blocking. Let's get him the ball. Reward him. Get him the ball. It can't be that hard. Guy's open. It's just weird. The whole thing with Baker and him, it's just weird. It just doesn't make any sense, right? It's just weird. And the more data that supports it, the harder it is to fight that and just say, oh, it's this, it's that. Nobody can really explain it. I asked Josh the question, and he's like, it's just weird. But let's let's get him the ball early. See what that does. I think Baker just honestly feels comfortable throwing the ball to other people more sometimes. Yeah, I'm not sure what he's saving it for either. But, you know, I'm not going to doubt Stefanski. He, he got tight and choked. I don't think we'll ever see it again, folks. He's the kind of guy that will learn from this mistake and I don't think we'll ever see it again um, 
Yeah, absolutely right. Glenn commented in the comment section. None of this is on Obi. None of it is. He's been fantastic. He's been bought in, and and uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you said, I, I as I said, I think this is a win. You know, this is shocking here as we were looking at this with Josh too. I mean, what is going on in the? And I said this on my Monday when I'm on the Monday recap show. Look at this freaking. So this is what's going on with the Cardinals. Bob Mc, McManaman. Cliff Kingsbury says Rodney Hudson won't play. Chandler Jones has symptoms of testing positive for COVID-19. I think they have three guys positive for COVID-19. One more, and they will have to go into uh, like the you know alert level in their locker room. Browns are hosting them this weekend. But look at this this freaking injury list from today. This is just the Browns. This is just the Browns. This is just the Cardinals. Oh, come on, guy. Keep working. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. It's like the freaking phone book. Beecham, Daniels, Edmonds, limited, limited, limited. Hopkins, illness, did not participate. Hicks, Hudson, ribs, shoulder. He's not. He's out. Byron Murphy, ribs, limited. Did not participate on Wednesday. Kyler Murray, right shoulder, limited, limited. Uh, Peters, defensive line, uh, rest. Vallejo, did not participate. Hand, linebacker. Wilson, ribs, cornerback, limited today. Did not participate on Wednesday. The Browns, Chubb, calf. DNP, Clowney, elbow, knee, DNP, and then limited today. Conklin, knee, DNP, DNP. Garrett, knee, ankle, DNP, limited. Gage Green, <laughs> shoulder, knee, limited both days. Hunt, didn't play either day. Wrist, knee. I mean, they're listing two injuries at once on these guys. Look at McDowell, elbow, foot, neck. That's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Just put entire body, whole body, out, limited. I mean, so, you know, I think a lot of these guys will play. Fortunately, um, we talked about the uh, the culture of this offensive line. I mean, Treader's going to play. I don't think Wills will play. I think Hans will start there. I don't know what's up with Conklin. It's good that he didn't go on the IR, so obviously they expect him back at some point. And the other thing we don't know yet is about Jar is about Jarvis. He's been running. Uh, they've kind of hinted that he should be back soon. Do they mean this weekend? I don't know. We could sure use him this weekend against the Card Cardinals. But I mean, this I, I would send this to uh, Los Angeles to SoFi Field and say uh, maybe next time you splurge for. You know, five, whatever, $15 billion stadium, whatever it costs, maybe you can put some real, real grass in instead of this turf. So I don't get that. If you're going to build a nice ass stadium out in Los Angeles, put, put real grass in. The turf is killing guys, taking them out. I mean, this is a, I said earlier, this is all around the league injury list look like this right now. It's rough this year. You know, what's the cause? I don't know. Uh, is it because of the easier 
preseason, guys doing a lot less in the preseason, I find that hard to believe. I mean, it wasn't even this bad last year, and it was even shortened more last year. But this year, I mean, absolutely everybody is injured every week. So, uh, a lot going on there. Let's see if I've covered everything. Uh, yeah, I mean... 49ers did a good job with Murray. You've gotta you've gotta hem him in the pocket. You can't over pursue. Um I think that the Browns corners will be fine. You're gonna need they need to be better, obviously, communications wise. Surely the Cardinals saw that tape and they're gonna put they're gonna run stuff that stresses that stresses those points where the Browns broke down communication wise last week. They're going to run cover three beaters that stress the communication points there. That circle guys back into vacancies behind, like 22 Jet Wasp did. They're going to do stuff like that. Browns, hopefully, spend the time. Joe Woods, get it right communication-wise. I think they'll get it right. John Johnson has not been what we saw with the Rams, but I don't fault him. He's getting used to it realize don't don't worry about him he's a hell of a football player uh he will be there in the end should have had an interception two weeks ago bogus call bogus calls galore this week i don't even want to get into it all the stuff we talked about was stefanski choking at the end should have never happened right browns up nine the uh freaking Chargers go for it on their own 40-yard line and get bailed out on that kind of an interference call. That's why they that's why they need the the sky judge or whatever, right? They used it on the one play wherever they called down to to the official when on a two-point conversion when Eckler ran in and he came up short. They didn't even go to the booth review or anything. They just called right down to the official said he's short. He overruled it right on the spot. Bing, bang, boom. It took no, no no time at all. Why can't that be done on every replay? How often do we see them go to the booth and then they come back and still get it wrong? Drives me nuts. Um, officiating was brutal. Killed the Browns. Killed a lot of teams uh, on Sunday, but especially killed the Browns. There's multiple, multiple things that went into that game where the officiating was terrible, but... The problem is I can't blame the officiating when there was so much game after that that the Browns had a chance to win the game anyways, you know. So it's really hard to put it all on them. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Kyler Murray does a lot of what Murray do, uh, Herbert does. However, he does more off script than even Herbert does. I mean, they they do a lot of, you're going to see the wide receivers out there and a lot of ad-libbing, and he does more off-script. Murray is just a guy that will go out, and when the Browns are in zone, he's going to run around until that zone breaks down and he's going to wing it in there. I mean, that's he's very much like Mahomes like that. You can't really blitz him you got to get home with your front four, which shouldn't be a problem with the Browns because their front four has been fantastic. Even against the Chargers was very good. Um, 
watch them on where they spot balls, hunt, lost about. Yeah, I mean, officials missing spots. Yeah, everything. Poor, poor stuff. Poor performance by them. Really, really hurt the Browns. But Browns hurt the Browns too. So let's be real about that. Can't can't let that happen again this week, especially against the talented wide receivers you can see. AJ Green is their leading receiver somehow. I you know resurgence in, in Arizona, but Kyler Murray, uh, you know I don't know how injured he is, but the speed rush stuff from Garrett can't happen here. This you're going to see, and even uh, Josh mentioned it. The one thing the Browns have really started to gel earlier with is the guys in the middle mcdowell and uh both malik's and garrett tack mckinley and even when clowney was in there are really playing well off each other they're all really starting to play those games up there and winning with those games up front and front four stunts and twists and you know, coming off each other's hips and confusing offensive lines. And without Hudson at center, you know, that they should be doing the same thing and focusing the pressure towards the interior and none of that, not as much of that speed rush stuff. You can't break contain on Murray because he'll just, he'll just run. He'll take that 15 yards every time. And, you know, Jeremiah Wosukoromoa, his ability to play and some of the highlights we saw from last week, JOK, him and the existence of uh, of Malik McDowell, who we, you know, I had huge questions about this defensive line room, but those two on the field with the talent around them, I mean, that even raises the ceiling for this defense even higher, in my opinion. So... Uh, I, I got the Browns winning this one against the Cardinals. You can call me a homer all you want, but to me this is a justice game, a karma game. They should have lost twice. Browns, two games, probably should have won. Probably outplayed the other team for two games. Maybe not on Sunday, but a game they should have won probably, and, and they didn't get them. This this evens, this evens things out. Gives the uh, Cardinals their first loss. Gives the Browns a big win over uh, an undefeated team and, and makes things right in the NFL. Just kind of seems right that they win this one. And I do think that from what you saw from the way the 49ers played the Cardinals and really slowed them down to 17 points. I think they won 17-10. Browns run the same stuff just with better athletes or equal to or better athletes. So if you don't break down communication wise, and they are going to stress those points, I mentioned that. Kingsbury will do that. But if the Browns are true in their communication and true in their coverage as far as the safeties go they should be good they should be able to slow them down and I, like i said i don't think anybody can stop the browns run game especially the this cardinals defense i don't think can stop the run game without bringing extra people up in the box and baker was good enough last week to take advantage of that so the browns should win this game i think they're better than the cardinals i, I don't think the cardinals are the best team in the NFC. I think probably the best team in the NFC is probably the Rams, in my opinion. But they they beat the Rams, you know. Not Head-to-head matchups don't always prove who's the better team is. Nine out of ten times, seven, probably not nine, like seven out of ten times I'd take the Rams over them. Hey, we're running right up against Thursday Night Football. Go watch the game. I'm Brad Ward. This is All Eyes on Cleveland. I've just been talking... 
to these guys, Glenn and chat, Troy, thank you guys so much for your comments. A uh, lot of stuff this week to, to get off my chest. Thanks for Josh for coming on CBS Sports. Covers the NFL. He'll be covering the Browns and the uh, Cardinals game. 405, fall game. Going to rain on Saturday. Should avoid the rain on Sunday. Talked about this already. Should be 60 degrees. 4 o'clock games. Starting the day. Nighttime by the time it's over. Third quarter starts to get dark. Fun games. Those are fun games. Those are the kind of games I love in Cleveland. Should be a lot of fun. Big game. One of the biggest games of the weekend. A lot of eyes on this one. And I think the Browns show up well. Stefanski never lost two games in a row in his career. Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, you guys are the best. If you are a fan of what All Eyes on Cleveland does and want to support what we do, you can become a member uh, down below in the... Uh, no, I, I don't think it's going to be particularly windy. I think it'll be somewhat windy, Glenn, but I don't think we're talking about affect the game windy. Uh, not like, not like last year where they had the three win games in a row, uh, you know, that changed the, the whole play structure and, and game script of all three of those games with the wind. I, I don't think it's that kind of wind, but it'll, I mean, it's on the lake. It'll be a little bit windy. Um, Browns win though, my opinion and, and cover and look good. So it'll be a fun one. Uh, got all this stuff on my chest. Thanks to Mikey on the ones and twos. Once again, thanks to Josh. Go to the link in the description below if you want to support All Eyes on Cleveland. Become a member. $3 a month. Get all of my random thoughts in our uh, exclusive content section plus uh, other audio clips and video clips that I'm posting in there all the time. You can go to the website, www.alleyesoncleveland.com and leave a voicemail anytime and I'll play it on the air. Uh, just asking and, and our patrons uh, that uh, we already have at All Eyes on Cleveland. As I want to thank them real quickly, Robert Schulner and Nick Farmer. Thanks for being members of All Eyes on Cleveland. You can do the same in the link below in the description. Hit like, hit subscribe, keep coming back, tell a friend this is All Eyes on Cleveland. I am Brad Ward. Mikey is on the one and twos. Go Brownies. Keep coming back. This has been a fun one. Uh, oh, and last thing, I I'm very long-winded this evening, so thank you for bearing with me. On Saturday nights now, it it's official, we're doing it every Saturday night, your game day preview, joint collaboration, All Eyes on Cleveland, and OBR Film Room Breakdown with Jake Burns. Every Saturday night we will be doing, it's about 20 minutes long, go over the lines, the weather, three keys to the game from each of us. Uh, and it's just podcast. It won't be on YouTube or anything, but you can get it from his feed or my feed. Uh, but we've done it like the last three games and we're going to keep doing it. So do a little, we do doing a little crossover, both, uh, part of the blue wire podcast family. So we're doing a little crossover, uh, show. We usually uh, record it around 10 or 11, uh, depending on, things going on on Saturday night so it's available for you first thing on Sunday morning as you're getting ready for your Browns game throughout the day just throw it on 20 minutes it's really good stuff you know Jake's the best there is and uh and uh so we do that together every Saturday night so make sure you listen for that make sure you uh are uh following the podcast so that pops up all eyes on Cleveland where all popular podcasts can be found so thank you so much for listening tonight 
Appreciate you guys, everybody that supports us. Hit the subscribe button. Keep coming back. Go Brownies. They're going to win on Sunday. Big one. Just threw my pen. It's okay. You start getting excited. Go Browns.